Good evening. This is Carrie. And I'm coming to you to discuss the movie Kiss of the Damned. It's one of my favorites. And it takes place in Connecticut. And the film was made in 2012. And it was written and directed by Zan Cassavetes, whose mother is Gina Rollins. Interesting little fact. The main leading lady is played by Josephine de la Bombe Juna. And the other main character, Milo Ventimiglia, who plays Paolo. And you'll remember him from Gilmore Girls to Heroes to Kiss of the Damned. And then a Rocky movie. And most recently, he was in This Is Us, who he played Jack Pearson. The third lady, leading lady, played by Roxanne, Miss Guida. And if I mispronounce that, I'm sorry. She played Mimi. Juna and Mimi play sisters, but they don't always get along. I really love this movie for many reasons. One, I love vampire movies. I'm a sucker for vampire movies. I don't know why. I just am. But if you're listening, get comfy and get cozy. Excuse me for a minute while I enjoy my glass of wine. In the beginning of this movie, I love that it shows Juna going to a video rental store to replace videos. For those of you who remember, back in the day, we had to rent videos and wait. And if a certain video we wanted to rent was out, we had to wait until next week, at the least, sometimes two weeks. Kids nowadays, including my kids, they don't understand what it's like. Everything's instant. So we begin the movie with Juna going into the video rental store. And it's a cute little scene. She meets Paolo. As soon as he walks in, Juna looks at him like he's familiar. And there's a certain wanting there that kind of scares her. And she immediately runs out. Why? I wonder, is it because she senses immediate temptation? But then Paolo immediately follows her. I wonder how many of this has happened to you guys. Oh, it's never happened to me. But I know there's certain things where people meet like that. It's not very common, though. And then... Not sure who decides on which to go to the bar, but there you learn that they both have something in common. Juna does poetry translation into several different languages. And Paolo, well, he's a screenwriter. So they both have that in common. They both love movies and writing. So if anybody out there can help, the two movies that Juna watches 
within this movie. I couldn't quite place it, and I couldn't find anywhere where somebody else had lit it. I'd be interested to know if you could let us know. Because I, I do love old movies. I grew up watching old movies with my family. And they didn't look familiar to me. Within a minute, matter of hours, you have Juna and Paolo meeting. And he goes back to her place. And they're making out. Seems like something people would do in college. Juna is actually in actual pain from what we can only sense is hunger. And she dismisses him and tells him to leave. It kind of sets the tone. She wants to be with him, but she's conflicted. And then you see her. Juna. She spends a lot of time in the bathroom tub. And you gotta wonder. Why does she do that? Why does she spend a lot of time in the bathroom tub? I mean, a lot of women do. So that's pretty typical of a woman. But you gotta wonder with her being a vampire. Is it a sense of comfort? I wonder if it's because it makes her feel human again. Is there some kind of element there? Let me know. So... My favorite scene, pretty much of the entire movie, is if you've seen this movie, it's the door scene. And for those of you who saw our Instagram post that the male wolf posted, it's that scene. Paulo's trying to convince her to let him in. And she's making out with him with the chain on the door. In this intense makeout session. And then she bites his tongue. Which is, to him, a little weird. You know, that, I'm sure that doesn't happen very often. But it's an interesting thing to note. You have Milo, who also played Peter Petrilli in Heroes. And here he's playing Paolo in Kiss of the Damned. But then you also have Nathan Petrelli, who played his brother in Heroes, who starred in Near Dark. So it's interesting that they both would have that kind of connection being in a vampire movie. And if you haven't watched Near Dark, I highly recommend it. If you like vampire movies, it has a great Bill Paxton is in that movie. He's got a lot of great lines in that movie. Eventually, Paolo thinks long and hard about what he's experienced. And he's starting to kind of put two and two together a little bit. But then he goes to her. It's like he's obsessed when he goes to talk to her to figure out what, what's going on, what's happening. Paolo goes to talk to Juna. And Juna's just sitting there. The door's already open. 
And he just barges in. And she's sitting there. And she cries when she asks him to fill her heart. Because her heart doesn't beat anymore. And she can't feel her heart beating. And it's kind of suggesting at this point that she misses her humanity. I'd like to think that Juna, as a vampire, seems like a very sensitive person. That she has still held on to her humanity where a lot of them may not have at this point. So this is the reveal. The reveal that she's a vampire. He doesn't believe her. Can you believe it? Who would believe it? If you had someone telling you, I'm a vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Right. I know I wouldn't believe it. And then you have certain vampires from certain movies that sparkle in the sun. To prove that Juna is a vampire... She makes him tie her up in silver chains to prove it since he doesn't believe her. Now, Paolo is looking at her like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I, you know, this looks like it could hurt. But then they start making out. And when he finally sees that she is indeed a vampire. His reaction is, and I quote, shit. I don't know what kind of a reaction you expect from somebody. That's a pretty good reaction. I mean, he doesn't get upset. He's almost like, man, this is for real. And she's in agony after turning. You can tell. He's partially afraid, but yet he's so attracted at the same time. I mean, he unties her due to the agony because he can't stand to see her in such agony. Which, in a way, is very sympathetic coming from a human standpoint. It's very loving that he's caring about her being in agony. And it's this moment that he decides to go all in. All in meaning he's going to join her. And apparently, sex and biting apparently makes sex hotter. I don't know. By the way, you have to get your significant other to watch this movie just by that scene alone. The camera angles are amazing. Something I really love about this movie is certain camera angles. You can tell that the director, she really cared about this movie. Paolo even says that this is what had to happen and he would have done anything to be with her. Anything? Hmm. Interesting. So what does that mean? Does that mean that they were fated? That they were soulmates? I don't know. They certainly fell very fast and very hard. That's for sure. 
Or was it just lust? Well, sometimes lust can lead to love. Sure. That's a possibility. But then you have the housekeeper, Irene. And she has a rare blood disorder. So it makes it that all the vampires are not interested in her. Now, I wonder what kind of disorder this would be. If anybody has any information or ideas about lore, please let me know. I'd be interested. And as Juno's explaining to Paolo after he's turned, that there's a pressure in your back that you feel just before the hunger gets unbearable, which will make you get out of control for anybody that's given birth. And I'm going to go kind of off tangent here. If you've ever had labor pains in your back, it's typically a lot of pressure. So I wonder if it's similar to that. And then Juna is explaining to him that there are ways that they can die. Sunlight is one way, which is in a lot of lore. Fire, again. And decapitation are all ways that they can die. Which is a pretty typical vampire lore that you see in many movies. From the time that Juna and Paolo have met, Keep in mind, it's been a matter of probably no more than three to four days max. They're moving in together. After three to four days of meeting, how many can say that? I don't think many people can. It's crazy. But Paulo insists that it would have happened anyways. And he talks about how his instincts have changed when he feeds. And how everything is just so much better when he's turned. That there was things he was missing. Mm. That's some good wine. And then next we're introduced to Mimi. Have you ever noticed, if you've seen this movie, all of the music that is played around Mimi is edgy. So I have a little theory about the music. The music is based on the women's personalities. So Mimi is edgy all the time. And there's a bunch of edgy music playing. Juna, it's very sweet and loving. But Mimi, we first see her, she just leaves a wake of dead people surrounding her in Amsterdam. So she's forced to leave and come and stay with Juna. And you can just tell that they haven't seen each other in a long time. Now, it's pretty typical for sisters to not get along with each other. Although some sisters from day one get along very, very well. 
but it's not uncommon. And so then we reach the middle of our story. Mimi's only supposed to be there for one week, but the destruction she causes in that week, man, oh man. And she's being forced to go to rehab. Now, Mimi's goal is to manipulate everybody around her so she doesn't have to go to rehab. And you can tell, you know, Irene, the housekeeper, she sees Mimi's hair and she's thinking because she doesn't like Mimi because she's trouble. And then you, you see a sweet moment, actually, really tender moment between Mimi and Juna where it's during the day and they can't sleep. And they're talking about when they were kids, when they were actual kids. And they talk about being in ballet school. And it kind of hints that the ballet teacher was the one who turned them. And while they're talking about this, they're watching little humans play. It's almost like they're trying to remember what it was like, but they just can't because it's been so long. And you get this feeling that Juna has never turned anybody one before. And Mimi told her it was wrong for her to turn Paulo. So there's a lot of tension right there. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Mimi is a huntress. That's right. She prefers only feeding from humans, apparently. And so she goes to seek her victims. She goes to a rave in the city. She's on the prowl. But so is her victim. So in a way, Mimi's targeting people that wouldn't necessarily target her. If you think about it. Now, I noticed, and I've noticed this many times, that there's an actual psychic link between Juna and Mimi. And I wonder if it's because they were sisters. If that carried over with them. There's a scene where Mimi is making out with her victim And it's this powerful, sexual, psychic link. Mimi's eyes are glowing bluish as she bites the victim. And this camera angle is coming up to you from the victim's view. And he doesn't realize what's happening until he's dying. And it's a very powerful moment. And it cuts between Mimi and Juna. So that... That's definitely interesting. You don't always see psychic links in vampire movies. I wonder if it's that because they have that personal connection. And then you have Zinnia, played by Anna Mugulas. She is a stage actress in this movie, she's the head vampire. 
And anytime there's music around her, there's opera music. You know, typically because she's theatrical. Again, interesting enough, Xenia was like Mimi before. So you see why she sticks up for Mimi and supports Mimi because she's been through it. And she has to believe that Mimi can change because she's changed. Xenia throws a party for a bunch of vampires. And as soon as Mimi walks in the room, everyone stares. And it's this dynamic. Everybody notices her and everybody's like thinking, oh, what now? What's going to happen now? Meanwhile, there's other guests talking to Apollo and they're telling her that Juna's a treasure. So one thing to note, the actress that plays Xenia, she's modeled for Coco Chanel and she even played Coco Chanel in a movie. So apparently she really likes Coco Chanel. Who can blame her? Mimi soon ditches the party when it's time for this philosophical discussion. And somehow picks up a couple for a threesome. But it's interrupted by Juna. Juna doesn't want anybody to get hurt from her point of view. Mimi just wants to have some fun from her point of view. Ultimately, the next scene where the couple's walking on the road waiting for the taxi. The way that Mimi hunts them down, especially when she chases the woman on the road. It's almost medieval. It's very chilling. The woman just doesn't stand a chance. And definitely you can tell human blood makes Mimi stronger than Juna. As in the next scene, she starts to strangle her one-handed and she lifts her up off the ground. So there's definitely a difference. I can't go without mentioning the seduction shower scene with Mimi and Paolo. Mimi seemingly has other powers than just strength and sexual desire. She creates a fog-like steam. And she, it's almost like Paolo had no chance of resistance. Would he resist? We don't know. Because the way it goes down, he didn't have a chance. Mimi really did this to get back at Juna, to prove a point. You know, she makes a point all for love. And she just has to take this from Juna. There is a pettiness to Juna's and Mimi's relationship. 
I want what's yours kind of thing. Later, he tells Juna what happened and you can see the despair. But then Juna also confesses she killed his agent. So they both have done unforgivable things and yet they forgive each other. So then we have our ending. Mimi meets a fan of Xenia's who is a virgin, which apparently is a weakness for Xenia. Mimi plants a chip in the crystal to make the virgin bleed, thus making her irresistible. The poor girl, she's just a pawn in Mimi's plan, so she doesn't have to go to rehab. Mimi drives back high on success, and oddly enough, an animal on the road causes her to crash, thus giving way to daylight. As Mimi is burning in the driveway, Irene, the housekeeper, just stands there, and she smokes a cigarette instead of helping which can only be seen as a sort of justice per human. Ironic that Mimi's life depended on a human, to which she had lost all of her humanity. In all of the years that I have watched this movie, I've never seen past the credits. There's a flashback scene of Juna and Mimi playing as girls in the sun, obviously before they were turned. It's a simpler time for the girls. And there's innocence. It's very sweet and endearing. So Case asked me after this viewing, and I've seen this movie many times, where does Kiss of the Damned rank for me in terms of all the vampire films I've watched? Well, our overall overdue rental tape rating is a four out of five. It's an absolute must-see if you enjoy vampire movies. If you're looking for a new one, absolutely check it out. Again, like I said before, the camera angles used, the style, there's a lot of love put into this and a lot of love making, indeed. If you like older movies, it is very much a nostalgic feel. And I'm not talking about 80s, older movies. I'm talking about 50s, 60s. There's not going to be a lot of action at first. There is heavy dialogue. But the last 10 to 15 minutes is where all the action is. If you can stay with it and watch it, it does pay off. A lot of people have panned this movie and did not like it. I understand why. And maybe you, listener, think it's just okay or not your taste, and that is all subjective. I'm going to touch briefly on some other vampire movies I've watched and enjoyed. So, some more recognizable mainstream vampire films that I've seen. Salem's Lot. I've also read the book. Near Dark, as I previously mentioned. Lost Boys. Who can forget the Lost Boys? Coppola's Dracula from 1992, 30 Days of Night. And of course, everyone's heard of 
interview with a vampire. Even if you haven't seen it, you've heard of it. From Dusk Till Dawn, Daybreakers, Fright Night, and Fright Night the Remake. I have not seen Fright Night 2, but it is on my list. Some of the other art house or indie vampire films that I've seen. Daughters of Darkness. Only Lovers Left Alive. Shadow of the Vampire. Byzantium. That was another one heavy on dialogue, but it was very good. Let the Right One In. The original Swedish and the American one. And there are some Hammer and other vampire films. Dracula with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Dracula, Prince of Darkness. The Karstein Trilogy. I've only watched The Vampire Lovers. The Vampires, 1975, Two Women Seduce Man. That's it for me for tonight. I hope you've enjoyed listening. We are dying for midnight. This is Carrie. Good night.